Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Real sports guys. Kind of guy 
you know, if you if you're gonna deny him at the rim, he might jam one. So we brought in, you know, Phil Phil T is not able to be with us tonight, but we brought in uh our super sub, sixth man of the year, the sixth guy is in the house. We got our man Justin Page on the line. Justin, how you feeling, brother? Fellas, listeners, viewers, I'm glad to be here. I got I got three words in my Drake voice. I'm charged up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get this thing going, as only we can. Again, you're listening to The Real Sports Guys, brought to you by Resistance Digital Solution. All guests and hosts appear via the Frederick Accounting Gateway. Frederick Accounting is the official accountant of RSG. Make sure you hit them up and tell them The Real Sports Guys sent you. Uh, tonight's edition of The Big Show, we will get into uh, what's beef. All right, we're going to talk about Drake and Meek Mill and some hip-hop beef that's been brewing. We're going to provide a little historical context. Um, you got three hip-hop heads in the house, and we're going to kind of just talk about, you know, where we at with the hip-hop game and how we feel about this particular beef, but then transition that over into sports beef. There's been a lot of beefing in the sports world. This is a slow time of year, so guys have been kind of going at each other a little bit. Some very funny, interesting things have been happening. And obviously, social media, in particular Twitter uh, and Instagram, are great facilitators for foolery. And so, obviously, <laughs> there's been a lot going on. We're going to get into all of that. Uh, then, we got Justin in the house. And, again, when you bring the sixth guard into the game, Lou Will, you got to let him shoot. <laughs> you got to give him the ball. So, that's what we're going to do. We're going to ISO Justin for a minute. And you guys have heard my take on the NBA offseason. And, you know, D. Wills is gracious enough to – Give me a lot of praise around how I follow the game and my perspectives on the league. Uh, I think Justin is right there. Justin is, is is definitely my contemporary, definitely my peer when it comes to following the league and having fresh and interesting perspectives on what's going on in the NBA. So we're gonna peek into we're gonna peek into his mind, step into his world, and see how Justin has seen everything unfold over the off season, which has been a very interesting off season for the NBA. We'll hit you off with the Resistance Digital Dog of the Week, and then we will get into some NFL training camp talk. We're going to talk Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, LaShawn McCoy. Whoa. <laughs> We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about hard knocks. We're going to talk about maybe we get into HBO Ballers, the new TV show HBO has got going on. we got so much to get into. This is going to be a very diverse show, as we always try to keep it diverse. Again, the real sports guys, the realest guys on the radio uh, this isn't our day job, so you're getting 100% barbershop rap. You're getting 100% at-the-bar talk. Uh, this is how we get down, all right? So let's just go ahead and jump into it. Uh, this idea of beef and what's beef, right? You got hip-hop heads on the, on the line right now, on the mic, and we've all grown up with hip-hop, and we've all grown up with aspects of hip-hop of competition, Right? It's a competitive art form where you are battling to be the best MC, beat maker, break dancer, whatever it is you do, you gotta cut your teeth and earn your chops to pay your dues to be given respect. You have to earn that. And what comes with that is is beef, it rivalries, competition. It comes with that territory as you try and climb that ladder to the top of your respected art form within hip hop. Now, before we get into kind of the recent beef, the most recent 
manifestation of hip-hop beef and that competitive aspect of hip-hop, I just want to check in with guys. You know, I rarely get to really dig in and talk hip-hop with, with folks anymore. Um, you know, people, hip-hop has died like three times, right? It, 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 people have pr- pronounced it dead like three times, but yet it's still alive and kicking. And I want to just check in with you guys on where you are with hip-hop as an art form. Is it something that you still are into, right? So let's start there. Is hip-hop something that you're still plugged into um, in some way, shape, or form, and what form are you plugged into it? I'll start with you, D-Wills, and then Justin. I know you're going to have a lot of say, so I'm going to have you jump in after <laughs> D-Wills. So D-Wills, lead us off. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm the probably the oldest school hat on on the on the on the mic tonight, and um, I'm one of these old guys that um, have an appreciation for some of the young artists. Um, there's a few who are trying to trying to hold it down for folks, but um, you know, I, I watched. Um, I don't know if you had a chance. Uh, uh, they had it on. I think it was on uh, Showtime, Public Enemy, uh, in the studio in London. And it just reminded me of cats who made timeless music. Like, I was sitting there watching it, and I was thinking, you know, and listen to Chuck D talk about um, how people actually develop their lyrics. And he understood how DMC or KRS-One or their approach, they studied in a way that, you know, you don't see as many cats studying today. You can tell the difference between the young cats who actually study and the ones who are just not just there uh, playing uh, hooky in class. And so when you think about beef, it's hard for me to really get serious about beef. I mean, a real beef is Boogie Down Production and Juice Crew. It's Ice Cube and NWA with no Vaseline. You know, it's LL and Cool Modi. I mean, when you listen to I'm Bad, you can still put that on, and it just gives you chills. Like, it, it came from somewhere. You know, it's even a real Roxanne and Roxanne Shante. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's the kind of stuff. I mean, I even give it a 50 and Ja Rule beef, something, even though 50 came in like Mike Tyson and just knocked Ja right out the box, out of the game. You know, you got to at least come back and, and, and continue the fight. But today, you only got, you know, think about what Kendrick Lamar did. Kendrick Lamar laid it down, kind of tried to come back. But then, you know, these back in the day where people would say who they talking about. There wasn't this subtleness. This wasn't this shakiness. And he kind of shook up the game. And that tells you when a cat, he was just old school. He just came out and studied the game, and everybody seemed like they were shook. And so there are some cats, Big Sean, you know, some of the cats I like, that that have a good sense of the game. Um, but when I see beef like we're about to talk about tonight, that stuff's built on some soft stuff. It ain't built on fertile ground. It ain't built on, you know, are you better than me? It ain't built on no Jay-Z, Nas type stuff where we're going to see this is competitiveness. Can you really come with it? Um, we'll snipe at you, then I'm going to apologize on stage type stuff. That, that never happened. <laughs> Okay, okay. So you mentioned Big Sean as somebody, you know, repping for Detroit, somebody that you're listening well, you to. Are there any other Detroit young cats that you're, that yeah. you're listening to out there? Are there any other young cats that you're kind of plugged into right now? I, I'm, I'm, I'm plugged into, uh, you know, I, I like uh, 
Kendrick. I like a lot of what he. Print. Um, you know, I, I, obviously, I, I mentioned uh, Big Sean, the cat that I, I, I love. Um, that I, I think is pushing uh, a, a little bit. Um, you know, those are some cats right now that, that that come to mind that I feel like, you know, they're trying to do more than stand the test. Of, they're trying to stand the test of time when they come at the game um, in a way that other cats uh, don't like. I mean, even though we're talking about this stuff, I like some of the stuff that Drake does. Um, you know, so I'm not, I'm not mad at him, you know, on, on this kind of stuff. But, you know, I think those those are cats that um, that I that I like. Okay. All right. I'm going to pull Justin into the conversation. Justin, you still plugged in? And if so, you know, how plugged in are you um, as far as your interest in what's going on in the game? I would tell you I'm absolutely plugged in. First and foremost, let me preface my statements by saying I am an 80s baby at heart. I am true to my roots. And there hasn't been a true rap beef since Biggie and Pac. And, you know, while the Jay-Z Nas beef was cool and all, you know, Jay signed the man and they friends now. So I can't really <laughs> back that kind of scenario. I like I like a right. disrespectful rap beef. I want guys to hit below the belt. And when I'm telling you this is going to be our closest thing to a real rap beef, Meek about to eat uh, Drake. He about to take that man lunch money. And, and Drake <laughs> messing with the wrong street guy. And, and yeah. the streets of Philly is about to rep for, for Drake, and I'm excited for what's next. A little disappointed okay. in Funk Flex for hyping us up for 7 p.m. last night. I was definitely tuned in, and he let me down. But I know Meek Mill will not let me down. And I'm looking forward all right. to all this rap beef. It's going to be the best one since Cannabis and LL Cool J. Mark my words. Meek's about to come okay. out with a classic. I all am right. definitely all right. tuned in. As I said okay. when I started the show, I'm charged up. <laughs> so you enjoying the back? You enjoy the back and forth of it all. And kind of how you know a little bit of that 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 pressure to to perform, kind of get some cats to raise their game to maybe a level they couldn't raise it um, without that that extra motivation, so to speak. Absolutely, I'm a little disappointed. Drake, while while I felt the song was was crafted well, it was well executed. I don't think he hit below the belt enough, and I think he was a little too soft with his delivery. And I know Meek eats off off of that kind of you know, that kind of environment. Like, he, he senses that softness, and I think he's, the streets of Philly are, are just about to come out in, in every bar he spits in response. And this is the type of rap beef I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent, excellent. And so, you know, I'll kind of answer the question. Um, I'm, 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 I'm on the same page as Justin. I'm a 1980s kid, 1980, December 23rd, right? So I, I'm I, I, again, as I said on the last one, Mike D. Wilson, I did. I am a I am a kid who, a young man and adult who could qualify as a millennial, but I reject that. I'm a Gen X kid, right? <laughs> I'm a Generation Xer. I ain't no millennial. Millennials are soft. Come on. <laughs> Come on. So I don't I don't even get I don't get down like that. I'm Gen X because that's how I was brought up, man. That's how I was. That's how I came into the game. You know, my older cousins and. And older cats around the way put me on like that, um, and so that's that's kind of how I, I, I orientate myself to uh, the way I see the world and, and the way I interact with the world. And you know, I, I'd echo a lot of Justin's. If I went deep, I'd echo a lot of Justin's sentiments around 
the concept of beef. With this particular beef, to kind of take the conversation in a different space, what makes a good beef for me is when I learn things that I didn't know about a rapper, right? (laughs) When you start unveiling those secrets, you know what I mean? That's what, like when Pac came out and was like, yeah, I got your wife, that right there, (laughs) that's beef. Like when you airing secrets, (laughs) you know, Summer Jam screen, when Jay-Z put up the – the picture of Prodigy in the ballerina costume. That's real beef. That's where you're unmasking. That's where you're unmasking. You're undressing a cat in front of people. That's that takes you back to the cafeteria, right? That takes you back That's to right. the lunchroom, whether it was gunning, snapping, heating, baking, whatever you called it back in the day. You know what I mean? That's what beef. That's where beef originates from. With cats are out you in front of people. That's a good hip hop beef. And when when there's disdain and anger behind it, as long as it's as long as again, it doesn't have to we we gotta get into gunplay now, it ain't that serious. But as long as you keep it on wax and you bring that ferocity, I think that's uh that's what makes a good beef for me. And as you said, in critique of Drake's answer charged up, um, I agree with you. I think, you know, D. Williams brought up Kendrick Lamar's verse on control and the simple ferocity in which he spit that verse. Kendrick, um, he was calling people out. Like, he harnessed the drum. You know what I mean? We talk about our African roots and how the drum was used to as a signal mm-hmm. and a communication tool. He harnessed the drum right there. He harnessed the drum, and he sent out a call, and he really didn't get a good response. But he sent the call out that, hey, if, y'all, if I named you, you, you have an invitation to say something back. And a couple of cats, you know, kind of came, came with it a little bit, but the ferocity wasn't there as his initial blow. You know, sometimes that first blow can knock the wind out of a cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so true. If you're going to strike, if you're going to strike, knock him out. You know, that's what my mama always told me. If you got a swing, man, that first one be a good one. <laughs> so, I think that. I think that's know, why this, I think Meek's response, that's why it's so important. Meek's got to knock him is, out. It is. Like, because Drake immediately. did knock him out, right? <laughs> Drake did not, Drake Meek has to with come the back like, with a swing. vengeance. Right? You know, Drake had the first response where he came back and he said, you know, I signed up for greatness and this comes with it. I thought that was an excellent, like, response, right? Like, yo, this is a part of the game. This is what I signed up for. He wasn't mad. He wasn't salty about it. Like, this is just what it is. I appreciated that statement because it spoke to Drake's perspective on what he's trying to do. If he's trying to be the greatest, you got to know cats are going to come at you. You know, as Jay-Z said on Light It Up, on Light Up, uh, on Drake, off Drake's first album, you know, they're going to try to distract you, you know, with silly rap feuds. That's how it goes. That's the game, you know. That was an old cat speaking to a young cat on West. So, you know, that's 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 how it goes, and that's what comes with it. So it was good that he recognized that. It's good that he kind of – he at least had that wherewithal to be like, you know what, this is what it is. I ain't mad at him, you know, but this is how it goes, and, and here we go, you know. <laughs> so let's put on our shoes and let's get to running. You know what I'm saying? So in sports, we've had – some some sports beef lately that you know we had the Shaq and Scottie Pippen deal, <laughs> which was hilarious, right? And this brings up a conversation I wanted to have in particular with you, Justin. Um, we don't we only get to talk on the show. Um, Scotty's Scotty made some comments earlier in the summer, um, or it got out that he said that he was LeBron for LeBron, right? then I have a problem with how people responded to Scotty around that. 
is, is Scotty necessarily LeBron, on LeBron's level? No, he's not. But I think people are playing Scotty like he was a second fiddle. And, you know, I listened to Rosillo and Van Pelt, and they were like, yo, you know, there was never a more clear-cut number two in the history of basketball than Scotty. Like, you go Magic Kareem, it was kind of a 1-1-A. You go even early in, in Miami with D. Wade and LeBron, it was a 1-1-A. You know, Shaq and Kobe, 1-1-A. You know, but the thing that I, I think people are missing is that he was playing with the greatest player of all time. Like, who else wouldn't have been second on that team? Like, there was going to be no 1A. You were playing with D1. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like you were playing with a dude that's on the list. You were playing with the dude at the top of the list. You were going to be number two. Like, there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think if Scotty was in some of these other combinations, it would have been, he could have been a 1A. So I don't think it's that outlandish. I think he was a little off base, and I think Scotty got a little bit of a he may be going through a midlife deal right now because he's just out there too much trying to pump himself up. I don't know if he's bored. <laughs> he ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> Justin, what are your thoughts on the Shaq and Scotty beef over Instagram? They sent out a couple pictures. Shaq called Scotty a second fiddle. You know, then Scotty fired back and said Shaq knows a lot about being a second fiddle and posted a picture of Shaq and Kobe. What are your thoughts on the whole Shaq pipping beef? Is it something that even caught your caught your attention? It, it absolutely caught my attention. Anything that has to do with the game catches my attention. Uh, I'm kind of a junkie like that. I'll admit it out right here, first and foremost, on RSG Radio. And I'll tell you this. In in, in the words of my good brother, Charlemagne the God, Scottie Pippen needs to shut the F up forever. Scottie <laughs> Pippen was absolutely a number two. Scottie Pippen, without disrespecting my basketball acumen, I'm going to tell the world he was not in my top 50 of all times. And, and with, with the mm. new players, since they did that, what, 10-plus, maybe even 15 years ago at this point, Scottie Pippen is not a top 50 player of all time. Wow. MJ carried Scottie. Wow. Scottie, don't get me wrong, he was a ball player. He was, he was definitely the second-best player on that team. He, he, was, he was a heck of a defender. He, 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 that's the best I can give him. He was, the, he was a heck of a defender and a good finisher on the fast break. However, Scottie Pippen was not your go-to guy. The second Michael Jordan left that team, he pouted on the bench when Coach called Tony Kukoc's number to hit the game-winning shot. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Scottie, the, the Bulls' record tanked when MJ left. MJ came back. The Bulls were back to being champs again. Scottie Pippen is not who you think he is. He is, he is the epitome of second fiddle. He's a poor man's LeBron James. The only reason I felt like the comparison was, you know, 25% fair at best is because of the style of play. He right, shared the right. basketball. He defended well. He was a, a do-it-all kind of guy. Uh, uh, he could play all, you know, he could play one through four at any given time depending on what was necessary of him. But Scottie Pippen was – his name shouldn't even be brought up in the same name as LeBron. And for him to bring it up and then for him to try to even come at Shaq like that is disrespectful. Shaq was just having fun. We on Shaq in a fool, Hollywood, Shazam. Shaq is who we think he is. Scotty, don't take the bait. You know what I mean? <laughs> he took the bait and Shaq ate him up. You got to think about this, man. The Bulls – all-time best team, couldn't beat the Lakers' uh, second team all-team. And I think Scotty yeah, was way out of the line. I think that's, that's a conversation that we're going to have to set up one time. 
I think that's a conversation we're going to have to set up is talking about some of, debating some of these all-time teams. I think that's a conversation next time we have you on. We're going to set that up. And we're we, we going to set up some all-time teams for some of these franchises. Let's have a little tournament and see who we think will win it. You know, we set up a little bracket and see how that goes. But that's something that we're going to do on this show. We're going to do that because uh, I think that's an interesting debate to have when you talk about the matchups and some of these players. Um, interesting that Scotty's not in your top 50. I think that's interesting as well. I'm not going to debate it with you. It's your top 50. But uh, I think that's interesting as well. Again, you, you always bring something. You always bring something new to the table. The thing, what are some beefs? current modern-day beefs or rivalries, it can be individuals or it can be teams, team versus team, that you look forward to year in, year out right now? Well, let me let me just digress really, really briefly. The reason I don't have Scotty in there is because they robbed my man Dominique. Dominique should have been in there ahead of Scotty regardless of the six rings. And that, Scotty would have been 51 at that time. So let me just hey, preface that. So hey, you talk, you're, talking to, to you're talking to a Dominique fan. I wore 21 <laughs> all through high school and all through college because of Dominique Wilkes. There you go. So I think Neek should have been in there, and then Scotty would have got in there next. But now that with this new crop of athletes, Scotty's he's pushing 60s, maybe early 70s, but he, which mm. is still commendable, uh, and much respect to Scotty Pippen for being what he was. Now, beefs I look forward to. Uh, uh, I got to take it back to last year. I was really excited about the, the KG and, and, and Mello beef. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge Mello fan, and, and I, I never like to see him disrespected, and I like how he handled it. You know, he, he, he handled it like an 80s baby almost. He went into the locker room to tell KG, look, man, we're not going to get personal on the court. This is basketball. You're not going to talk about my wife, and I appreciated that from him. But – you know that's kind of died down. KG, we all know he he's he's a character to some to some degree when it comes to trash talking. He got Melo's yeah. head, and that was that was intriguing to me. Um, a beep that I'm looking you forward to. You think KG DVR that episode of uh, Power? You think KG DVR that episode of Power? Oh, I, I, the second I watched it, I said, "Oh, KG got some new ammo now." <laughs> right. I said, "I am tuning in for the Timberwolves and the Knicks next year." <laughs> Who, by the way, the Timberwolves is putting together a nice little roster. But I'm sure yeah, we'll we get, get into that, that much too. later. So save that, save that, save that. I'm gonna set you up. I'm gonna set you up. I know, I know your hot spots, and I'm gonna set you up real <laughs> nice this episode, bro. So just, just stay on, stay focused, run the play, run the set. And then my next, my next, my next beat that I'm looking forward to. It was more of a robber. I'm looking, I'm looking at this Miami Heat, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers for the next two, three years. Barring that, that mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. LeBron James stays the course and stays in Cleveland and, and no smiling faces and hitting, hitting, hitting agendas. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that, you know. I think Pat Riley's done a great job in a short amount of time restructuring that roster. You know, you go to four straight finals and you lose the best player on that team, you should really be in the lottery, which they were. And they got the best player to me in the draft at number 10. And, and I And I think – you know, signing uh, uh, Gordon Drogic long-term, D-Wade for another year, Luel Ding's back healthy, Hassan Whiteside's coming back, uh, adding Gerald Green. I think the Heat can give the Cavs a run for their money, and I think that's going to be a heated rivalry because Pat Riley, he he will not leave this game until he beats LeBron James in a seven-game series, and I think that's going to be the rivalry to watch moving forward. Yeah, and they get McRoberts back. Uh, Josh McRoberts is coming back too, and he's a – He's a nice role player piece that they'll, they'll be adding to that mix. So uh, you're, you're on to something there. You're on to something there for sure. I want to bring D. Wills back in. Uh, D. Wills, 
some rivalries okay. and some beefs, either historically or currently, that historically something that you were into and you got you amped up or something that they are, are, are on the on the verge of taking place and forming um, that you're interested in watching? Well, it, historically, you know, I'm from Michigan, and so uh, Michigan Ohio State, you know, nothing was bigger than Bo and Woody. They didn't like that team. We didn't like that team down south when I was growing up. And I got a feeling it's bubbling up again. Now that Hotball's back in the building and Urban Meyer, that's going to be a good now, one. Now, I'm, I'm going to stop you because that's all good and great, right? There's history there, and that's, that, that makes it that, – that's a big piece of a rivalry. Ohio State is going to clean Michigan clock. Uh, <laughs> don't, 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 don't. clock. I don't care who the uh, coach. Uh, Ohio don't, State don't, third don't. quarterback code. Don't, 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 don't get caught up. They got all Americans. They got all Americans red shirt, bro. Yeah. They got yeah. all Americans yeah. switching positions. Yeah, you forget. There's a, re, there's a reason why uh, the, the guy is coaching up there at Seattle. Uh, he beat them a couple times when he's out at Stanford. He ain't fearing that. So hey, um, hey, I don't know, football. man. You go to football is the Ravens and the Steelers. Yes, and they yes. play on women and children. It's all going down. You can feel electricity. I love what Tomlin walk in. You know I'm a Steelers fan. Tomlin walk in. It's hard because I know the hardball family too. So it's one of those things. But I'm a Steeler at heart. And uh, I love that rivalry. I want to see it pick back up. They always play hard. And then Ryan is up there in Buffalo. And he he and Belichick go at it. It's comical. But they somehow he finds a way to find a team to compete. He just kind of gets under Belichick's skin. Uh, I love that. But what I love come back, you know, this is a whole, you know, future stuff. But I think he built a little foundation. But nothing bigger than when the Bulls and the Pistons square it off. It's something about the, it's in the hockey, the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. You know, it's the basketball. It, it, it's good when you get some of those Midwest rivalries that we haven't seen in a long time. I hope, you know, I think they build a good foundation in Detroit, but I love to see that that rivalry between Chicago and Detroit come back. It was good for the NBA. It brought something. It's, it's like when hip-hop, you get the Midwest in the game, it just makes it better. Something about the Midwest getting in the game that makes everything good. Okay, okay. All right, so we're going to shift gears. Uh, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RNC, Renegade Radio. We just got done breaking down to you what speaks. The next portion of the show, again, we're going to set Justin up. We're going to get him running off a couple of double screens, get him in a pick and roll, get him on the isolation, you know, run him off the little AI cut over the top of the defense, you know what I'm saying, and let him iso on the wing. Uh, so we're going to start talking NBA talk. And we got Justin in the house. So, Justin, I want to get you set up real nice. All right? This was an amazing, in my opinion, an amazing and very intriguing NBA offseason. From the draft to free agency, there was a lot of things that happened that were head scratchers, um, things that made you question some leadership of some teams. There were also a ton of things that happened that, have you looking like, wow, next year is really going to be an exciting year because there are several teams that kind of separated themselves from the pack in both conferences 
because of some of the moves that they made, um, whether it was adding players, um, retaining players, and then adding some smaller pieces here and there, um, the landscape shifted slightly. And anytime you get some movement um, of the landscape within the league and shift the power, that always makes everything more interesting because it creates more intrigue, it creates more excitement around certain fan bases because now it seems like folks have a shot. Um, what were your thoughts on the uh, the off season itself, and what was your favorite move of the off season? Well, let me start by saying this has been the most entertaining, the most intriguing off season I can remember in my thirty five years on this earth. Um, I think this is the best NBA draft since 2003 when LeBron and D. Wade and Chris Bosh and those boys entered the league. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I played fantasy basketball, as, as you and all the, all the listeners uh, uh, know. And, you know, when fantasy basketball is over with, season's over with, I lose, I win, whatever, my text, it stops. The thread with all the guys on the team stops. My wife told me just last week, she said, this is different this year. You, you get 100 text messages a night. What's going on? That's so interesting. And I'm like, are you kidding me? The intrigue of, of, of Carl Anthony Towns and Jaleel Okafor playing in summer league, you know, D'Angelo Russell going two to the Lakers to try to revive that backcourt with him and Jordan Clarkson, possibly Kobe playing the three. And, and you know, all the – you know, and, and you know where, what I attest to the change in the offseason too? And it's going to shock everybody because you guys know how I feel about this one player, LeBron James. He changed mm. the game. These one-year contracts, these one-year deals, he's forcing teams' hands. So it, it, it gives you intrigue every summer, you know. You don't know what the Cavs are going to do. You know, you, LaMarcus Aldridge, I'll tell you, I'll sum it up like this. This year was like foreplay for next season's uh, off uh, summertime, <laughs> you know, you had the big names of Lamarcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard, uh, LeBron James, uh, David West, Josh Smith, all these free agents trying to land short-term deals to maximize on their their revenue earning potential when this new TV deal hits, and it all started with LeBron and his one-year deal last year, and it's repeating itself this year. And I got a feeling while LeBron is in his somewhat prime. It's going to continue to happen, and I'm going to be tuned in. I, I've never been more excited about the NBA in, in June, July, and August as I am right now. Um, this rookie class, I, I've really enjoyed you know, watching Summer League this year, seeing who, who had game and who didn't. Um, I like the, the, hold the on, progress. Hold on, hold on, hold on, because I'm going to set you up for some, some questions around Summer League. i got some questions for you. But i got a question okay. for you right now as we talk about kind of so you're talking about summer league, and that's kind of that's a different end of the spectrum. We want to go to that other end of the spectrum of the league where we're talking about um, some of the power teams, some of the teams that are there. When you're talking about summer league, you're talking about teams that are trying to get there. They got some pieces that are intriguing and trying to develop those guys. I want to talk about the teams that are there and some of the moves that were made. Um, first question I got for you is: Lamarcus Aldridge to the Spurs, the cheat code move. Did the Spurs, Absolutely. I mean, how do you feel about that move? Absolutely. Put them to the top of the list. I got them over Golden State right now. Power rankings wow. in the okay. West Coast, I got to go Spurs. Got to go Spurs. All right. But not just L.A. You got to go David West, too. 
you know. Mm-hmm. I think it was foolish to leave $11 million on the table, but I think that that's going to catapult him to a champion, and he'll he'll recoup that $11 million on the back end when he says, I'm David West, NBA champion. I think Absolutely. Marcus Aldridge, I think the L, the, I say L.A., LaMarcus Aldridge and D. West deal is going to catapult the Spurs to be the number one team in the West. I think the – the the Tim Duncan David Robinson is a great comparison. I think like David passed the torch to Tim Duncan. I think Tim's going to pass the torch to L.A. And I, you know what? I, I see the Spurs in the finals next year. Absolutely do. And and what the reason I call that the cheat code move is because you know you doing your two K fifteen or back in the day when I was in the Madden hardcore when I played video games. You know, oftentimes video games for me was something I did with my boy, right? It was something that I enjoyed competing against my boys with, but it was like that downtime, you know, when I was in college between practice and studying. And I'd play a game while I was studying, and I love the franchise mode, right, on, on yeah. Madden, and I love the association mode on 2K, um, just like manipulating different things and making moves and, and setting up franchise. And the Spurs have, like, the cheat code because they have, like, the trade filter off, right, <laughs> where you can just make whatever moves you want to make. <laughs> And you can have, like, a 20-year run. You know what I'm saying? And with getting LaMarcus Aldridge and locking up Kawhi Leonard, and then with the cap going up next year and the year after, they just put themselves in position to – they have two-thirds of their next big three already on board. And that's just, that's just maddening. You know what I'm saying? That's just maddening. This is, like, really – I mean – they're cheating, but they're not cheating. You know what I'm saying? But that's like the cheat code. You know what I'm saying? That's like the old Contra code. You know, <laughs> get you 99. Absolutely lives. genius. I like the way they're doing it much better lives. than like the way that the Miami Heat and LeBron James and the new Cavs and LeBron James are doing it. I like how the front office is making the moves and not the player. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is fantastic what they did. Um, not even for the not in just the short term, but the long term. You know, they're one more player away from having another big three set up and potentially putting themselves in position to have a historic run as a franchise where, you know, it's been a great 15 years and they could be set up for another 10 years. You're talking about a 25-year run of excellence. Nobody has been able to do that in any sport. Um, You had to go back to John Wooden's UCLA team (laughs) to talk about a team being consistently – at the top of the league, the way the Spurs have been for the last 15 years, and now they've set them up for to extend that, you know, possibly another 10, 10 years. Uh, that, that's pretty ridiculous when you uh, when you start to think about that. Uh, another question: So you have them ahead of the Warriors. That was another question I was going to ask you. Where do you rank them? And then I wanted to get your thoughts on Kevin Love going back to the Cavaliers, and where do you see that putting the Cavaliers in your pecking order? Um, of the Eastern Conference, and talk a little bit about the East, because the East has improved a lot. So first, touch base on the cash, and then just tell me what you think about the Eastern Conference. I'm going to tell you this. What's the song? The East is in the house. Oh, my God. The East is back. The East is officially back. And and I, I this wasn't in the rundown. We didn't talk about this in the, in the pregame show, but I had this on my note sheet to bring up. But – I would argue that the East is going to be equally as competitive as the West next year. I think all of, uh, there's a question that's going to come up about who we think uh, is going to benefit most from these offseason moves, and you're going to see who I think. 
But what I'm telling you now is the Cavs are my number one overall in the power rankings. While I still like the Spurs out of the West, this is the first time in, 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 in LeBron James' history I pick him as the number one team overall. I think this Cavs team can beat that Spurs team with LaMarcus Aldridge right now, hands down. They have to tweak their style of play to some degree, but I think they have the, the skill set to do it, and they're just adding more and more pieces. And I think that, that if David Black can get – the right scheme together and stop putting the ball in LeBron's hand, letting him play hero ball and hold the ball for 20 seconds and drive and kick. I think that if they get that offense figured out, they can win the national championship next year. I got the, the Cavs one. I got the Heat at, at a strong number two. I love their offseason moves. Uh, Justice Winslow in the draft falling to 10, is, 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 it was flabbergasting to me how many teams pass up on Winslow. I think Phil Jackson is going to end up being fired over it. A couple other GMs, too. You still got the Bulls who are in the thick of things with Jimmy Butler back. I like the move the Bucks made with, with Greg Monroe. You know, I think they're a top four team. I got the Bucks over my Hawks. Can you, can you believe that? Wow. Eastern, wow. Second place in the Eastern Conference. First final four appearance in, in NBA in, in, in the past 20 years for the Hawks. I got them five, Wizards six, Pacers seven, and I think the eighth spot is up for grabs. The, 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 the East and the top six teams in the East are, are going to have comparable records to the top six teams in the West. You heard it here first. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. The East is going to be a very difficult gauntlet. Um, you know, last year, the West, I think it was the Southwest Division. Um, they had, you know, I think all five teams in that division made the playoffs. When you look at the Central Division, you know, you could have four out of the five teams in that division making the playoffs. You talk about Cleveland. You talk about um, the Indiana Pacers, the Chicago Bulls, and Milwaukee Bucks. All of those are upper-tier playoff teams, in my opinion. You know, I think the Pacers, the Pacers may not necessarily be where they were before – kind of the, the Paul George injury, but they're a definite playoff team. Uh, you know, they may be in the bottom half, but you got, you got three top-tier playoff teams in Cleveland, Chicago, and Milwaukee in one division. I agree with you 100%. I think the East is going to be lights out and better than it's been. I think that's going to be one of the main stories and one of the main themes and storylines of next year is that the East is back. Um, and there's some balance back in the league. Um and the West is still going to be as thick as it has always been. Um, you talked about the Clippers and, and, the, and the DeAndre Jordan saga, brother. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Talk about Twitter being entertaining. <laughs> oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was like, what is going on, man? What is going on? You got guys posting pictures of chairs. And, you know, I thought they were just going to have a little meeting, make their case, but then they locking them up and they're not leaving the house and Mark Cuban is driving around looking for him and – it was just a fiasco. It turned into a complete fiasco. Uh, but he goes back to the Clippers. They bring in Stevenson. They bring in Paul Pierce. They bring in Josh Smith. Um, they're loading up. Uh, Oklahoma City is just getting back Kevin Durant and bringing back Enos Cantor, which uh, Durant and Westbrook by themselves are going to make them going to put them in the mix. You got Houston, which I think made a, the, the sneakiest good move getting Ty Lawson on the cheap. I mean, they paid, you know, a bag of magic beans for Ty Lawson. He's got to get his personal life together. But if he does that, and I think he can, they just got the point guard that they were missing. Um, you know, how he plays with James Harden, they got to figure that piece out, but they got enough time to do that. Um, 
it, it, and you got you know young squads like the uh, the the Suns and the Pelicans. Um, Anthony Davis is still establishing himself as a dominant force. And again, I give you your props. I was wrong there. Every time you come on, I give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Much respect. <laughs> um, so, what was your worst move? What move do you think set a team back um, from this uh, this NBA offseason? I'll tell you what. I got a couple ideas here. And the and first one was Mark Cuban. Mark, what are you doing? First, you blew it with DeAndre Jordan. Once you get a guy, make him confirm, make him sign a letter of intent, something to get him fully committed. You know, he he dropped the ball on that one. But who in the world gives Wes Matthews $70 million <laughs> over four years? That was now, now absolutely you know you're pushing the button. By That's a Madison guy. That's a Madison guy now. You're pushing the button right there. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been looking at these deals that these players are getting game changing. I said, I need to get back in the gym. You feel me? <laughs> this man can got West Matthews. I know I can deal. <laughs> this, this 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 injury would cost most people their career. It, it got him seventy million. Thinking yeah. that it was going to catapult him, Dirk, and DeAndre Jordan, along with Chandler Parsons, to a big four, which never came to fruition. So I got to give Mark Cuban the biggest F. Uh, I think Phil Jackson, he had a blunder by not giving Greg Monroe what he needed to be comfortable. And when did the New York Knicks lose to the Milwaukee Bucks, right? And then last but not least, now, mind you, Wes Matthews takes the cake. But if I'm Sacramento, oh, my gosh, ay yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. got it. one. You chose George Carl over 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 Demarcus Cousins. So who knows how that's going to end up? You pay Rondo right. ten million when when Ooh. at best he was going to get a veterans minimum deal given his his fiasco last year in the playoffs. You know you draft Willie Cauley Stein who who can't throw a stone into the river from two feet away. Uh, uh, over Moutier, who's a, a what's that? And change his middle name to Trill. Yeah, like come on. That to me, he, he's a hat to the back guy. Remember, we, <laughs> yep, yep, you yep, change your exactly, name to Trill, exactly. you're off my I'm you're off you. my board. I can't I'm draft you. you if you change your name to Trill. Okay, not you when I got Will Mark Cousins Cousins already. Not when I got and go Rondo. Rondo. No, and I can't you got, have those you got three a team full of knuckleheads. <laughs> you got a team full of knuckleheads and a sixty plus year old coach who who was near retirement. Who's a knucklehead? Was on Who's his deathbed. Oh my God! And so and he's a knucklehead. George Carl is a knucklehead. Any Bucks fan? All of them are knuckleheads. That whole knucklehead. squad is full of knuckleheads. Yeah, yeah. That, that's you know you got you got you got cool. Rudy Gay who 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 who's just an overshooter. I, I don't know what they're thinking over there. They tried to get Josh Smith, which I didn't understand. They've been trying to get him for the last two years. It's like <laughs> right. <laughs> like I said, so, so I'll I sum it up to, like I this. I wanted him to get Josh. I wanted them to get Come Josh on. because I just wanted it to be a total tire fight. I just wanted to see what would happen, right? <laughs> it's what we all want to see what would happen. What if you got five crazy on one team? Like what would that? You how can't would that have go? that on one team. You, you can't have yes, it. You so, can. so the worst pickup by far. To answer your question directly, the worst pickup by far was Wes Matthews at four years, seventy million. But collectively, the worst offseason was Sacramento signing. A whole bunch of knuckleheads and trying to sign in an additional knucklehead, and 
oh, my God, they're going to stink for years for this, and they need to move DeMarcus Cousins and get that man out of his misery because he's arguably the best center in the game. Yeah, I I, I like in what Sacramento did to, uh, you know, and D. Wills will appreciate this, to The Wire. When Bunny Colvin was in the schools and they created a classroom <laughs> for the corner kids. <laughs> Sacramento Kings. <laughs> you know, he's getting cussed out on the regular, and that's just the Don't nobody even flinch. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. <laughs> that's what the Sacramento Kings are. They're the classroom for the corner kids, man. That's what that is, man. Couldn't so, agree the more, next man. question I have for you is which of the following franchises win a title first? The Knicks, the Lakers, or the 76ers? All in rebuilding phase, the Knicks. Uh, drafted poor uh, Chris Stapps, poor Zingas, which uh, brought a lot of booze uh, from the Barclays Center on draft night. The Lakers got D'Angelo Russell. They got Julius Randle coming back. They got Jordan Clarkson, and they're trying to rebuild, and then they traded for Roy Hibbert and bringing in. And and that press conference was interesting. We'll talk about that. I got some questions about that, too. I want to get your perspective on that. Um, and then you got Sam Hinkie and the Philadelphia 76ers, and – that whole situation, and I don't know what to call it. I don't know how to feel about it. I know how I feel about it. I just I don't know where they're going. So what are your thoughts? Which of those teams, short answer, give me a short answer because i got some follow-up questions. Which right. of those short answer is make it. Go ahead. Short answer is you can X the Sixers out for the next decade. Sam, Sam Hinkie has is, is, is single-handedly <laughs> ruined them. Who you know who they are? They're the Detroit Lions. About six, seven years ago, when they drafted a receiver yes. at the at the top spot three years yes. in a row was the Charles yes. Rogers and the yes. boys. Exactly. You don't draft three centers in a row and expect to win and trade away your rookie Not point guard who are rookie today. of the year. Maybe in like maybe in like eighty two you could have done that. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's not happening now. It's not gonna fly. Keep so going, so that said, Philly's out between New York and L. A. I like the – contrary to what most people say, I like the Porzingis pick. We just don't know a lot about him because we haven't seen his – he's not proven to us in America. He didn't play in college here. We don't know much about him. But the people I, 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 I trust in this business had him as a number one pick last year had he come out. So I, I got to respect Phil's basketball acumen, and I think that, you know, if Melo was three years younger and they could mesh together, they could have a front court that could dominate. But because – of Melo's health lately and because of Perzingis' need to, uh, you know, get his body right and fit into the NBA game, I can't say them. And as you know, I really, really believe in, in the Los Angeles Lakers and the leadership of Kobe Bryant. I think they've got good cornerstone pieces in, in, in Julius Randle, who's coming back healthy this year. I thought they made some key offseason acquisitions with, with – Hibbert, who I know is on a downslide, but he lost 16 pounds. He's looking leaner. He's looking like he did in his all-star year. Brandon Bass is a player I like who I think should start over Randall and let Randall learn under him and get get you know minutes in that second unit. I really like their backcourt. Jordan Clarkson lit, lit up summer league, right? Kobe yeah. at the three, I absolutely love it. Teams are going small ball. So if you're telling me you're starting Jordan Clarkson at the, at the point, D. Russell at the two, or vice versa, 
Kobe at the three, Ben and Bass at the four, and, and Hibbert at the five, bringing uh, Randall off the bench. I like I like where they're going, and I think they're they're you know one more year in the lottery for them, and they get a good player there, make make a, a free agent move. I think the Lakers are poised to make a run in the next five years. Okay, okay. So here are my follow up questions to this series right here um, with the Lakers. Right? Do you feel like? they're going to be able to continue to build for the future the way they're trying to with Kobe in tow, right? So with Kobe on the roster, do you think Kobe's presence is going to hurt their their chances of rebuilding, right? Because it seems like some of the more top-tier guys aren't interested in running with Kobe for whatever reasons, right or wrong, that seems to be what's happening, right? So – are they going to be able to figure it out with him, or do? Or is he going to have to retire for them to be able to kind of bring in that, that I want next winners. guy? <laughs> you, you hear that clip? I want winners, and Kobe heard, wants winners. I and I think, I believe wholeheartedly that the right player, the right mindset of player will still go to L.A. and play with Kobe. I think Kobe's the type of leader who demands greatness, and I think these prima donnas nowadays, they don't like greatness. They don't like to be pushed past their limit. And I think that I put the onus on these new players to want to be led by greatness. Like, I would relish at the opportunity to play with a five-time champion, one of the top ten NBA players of all time. But I think nowadays players are so entitled you know, they get these $20 million contracts. They got their agents telling them they're this and they're that, and everybody's coveting them. And I think that's really where the problem is. And I think, does Kobe need to adapt in his, his recruiting style? Absolutely. But I don't put the onus on Kobe to, to change. I, I think that he brings something positive. He brings that old school you're gonna, you got to work me to beat me mentality. And I think these younger players need to embrace that. I just don't think they've had to in the past. And I think that may hurt San Antonio because they're going to realize L.A., as talented as he is, he doesn't want to be pushed past his potential. He wants to stay who he is. And I think Kobe could have got him to the next level. We'll see what happens with the Spurs next year. But I, I really think Kobe is a, is a godsend to the Lakers, and he has been for the past, 20 years or so. Okay, okay. As you know, right. Kobe can do no wrong in my book. <laughs> and as you know, he, I'm the other way on that one, but we're not going to go there. I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up. It ain't about my opinion on Kobe. It's about your opinion on Kobe. That's why we got you on. All right? So you like the Przingis pick for the Knicks. I'm not I'm not um, one of those folks. I'm not a detractor on Przingis. I think he's going to be a good player. I think it's going to take him a couple years. I like what I saw in summer league. Um, that was really my first chance watching him play. I was I tend to reserve judgment on on draft guys. If I haven't seen him play, I got nothing to say, right? I, I can't I can't say it was a good pick. I can't say it was a bad pick. I don't know this dude. <laughs> Great. You know what I'm saying? I come out. I don't know you, man. <laughs> so I don't know the guy. So I can't say it was a good pick or a bad pick. The thing, the question I have around the Knicks, they're trying to kind of pull off this win now, but still rebuild simultaneously, do you think Phil and Fish are going to survive this this experiment of trying to – because they picked up a fly low, they're bringing in Lopez, and those are good players. I think they're players that fit. When You know, I know you have an affinity for AI, and I think Melo is a similar style of player as AI, um, a ball dominator, an unbelievable scorer, a generational talent as far as scoring goes. 
And with those guys, when Philly was successful with AIs, when they put blue-collar guys around him who didn't need the ball to be successful, and I think New York is starting to kind of put together a cast of guys like that. Um, but is that going to stunt their ability to also continue to acquire young assets, which they need to start to figure out what's going to happen? Because as you said, Melo's not a spring chicken. So, you know, my question is, do Phil and Fish survive this? Because it is New York. And for whatever reason, they seem to think that they are a, a franchise that has won a lot of championships, and they actually haven't. But they carry themselves as if they had. So what do you think? Do they survive this whole Knicks experiment, Fisher and, and Phil? Short short answer, no, absolutely not. I, I think Phil, mm. will, Phil will be gone by mid-year 2017. I think it, it's too early to jug, judge his progress just yet. He's only been there one full season, two off-seasons now, and I'm not overly impressed with anything he's done. Uh, he hasn't brought in a big-name free agent, which which that's what they brought him in for. His, his draft history is, is questionable at best. We need to see what per, Perzingis does. I don't think Perzingis is going to change the Knicks this year, but I think, you know, three years from now he could be, uh, you know, a, the cornerstone of the of the New York Knicks. That said, you know, New Yorkers, even even with in the social media era, everything is right now. We live in we're, – we're all creatures of the moment, right? So Phil's going to – he's in the lottery this year. He's going to be in a lottery next year. That You can pretty much put that in the bank. New York fans, two years in a row in the lottery. And then if he if he bombs again in the offseason next year, oh, you, he's he's done by, by All-Star break 2017. I don't see him or Derek Fisher making – I think Derek Fisher may be made the scapegoat next year uh, if, if they get off to a bad start, which I, I believe they will, unfortunately. And it's just a travesty, man, because New York – being the mecca of basketball and Madison Square Garden being as important as it is to the NBA and to all the players uh, in the league, I, I don't see Phil or D. Fish making it out, and it, it, it's a sad, 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 sad day for New York. Okay, and and for Mello, who I love, as you know, as we know, it's well documented. Um, going to Philly now. As we, you're not a Hinky fan, and I am. I'm not a Hinky fan either. I'm, I'm out on Sam Hinky. I, 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 I'm, I'm out. When he took Okafor, almost threw the remote at my television on draft night. <laughs> I had to really, I had to really take a second and calm myself down. I think I texted D. Wills a PhD, and I was just like, "Yo, there's a reason certain franchises suck. It's because you do things like that. You got Moutier on the board." I mean, you got Porzingis, who at least makes more sense than than Okafor did, and you take Okafor. I just, I was, I was done. So now they have these three big guys. Noel showed great progress last year. I owned him on one of my fantasy teams, and I got, to, I kept him all year, and I got to watch his numbers improve throughout the year. Um, he's a defensive monster. Um, still figuring out the offensive end of the court, but his offense got better as the season went along. I think he has potential to be a very good um, defensive center. Um, he's a guy who can guard, you know, at least three positions. He can guard all the forward positions, small forward, power right. forward, center. He can guard them all. Um, offensively, he's a good pick and roll man. He's a good dive guy. Um, you know, you can do the Tyson Chandler lob thing if you got a good point guard that can set him up and get him the ball. He can, he can be a DeAndre Jordan type. 
um, offensively down the line. And his free throw shooting improved to the point where that's not a liability. You got Embiid, who he may go the way of Greg Oden. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for the kid that he don't because I just hate to see talented guys not get a chance to do their thing. Um, if he plays and he sucks, that's a whole other situation. I hate for guys to be labeled a bust when they just did when it was injuries. You know, um, if you play and you're terrible, that's on you. But if your body breaks down, then you know we can't help how it's built. You know, God gives us what we got, and we got to roll with it and try to make the best of it. So that's MB right now. I don't know. I, we still don't know quite what he's going to be or what he is. Um, and then you got Okafor. Okafor, I think is is. Okafor is Carmelo in the post. He is a generational talent, in my opinion, as far as his offensive skill set on the block. Where he is right now as a rookie, um, DeAndre Jordan would – it would take DeAndre Jordan 10, 10 more years of playing NBA basketball to get the offensive skill set that uh, Jaleel Okafor has right now as a 19-year-old. Um, of these guys, somebody's going to get traded at some point because they can't play together. And it would be idiocy to keep them all on the same team. Who will you trade? I'm trading Embiid. Embiid's never going to play a game for the Philadelphia. But are you going to get anything for Embiid? See, that's the other question. No, you're going to get you're going to get a second round pick or or protected first rounder. Yeah. So are you going to get anything? What you're going to get is a second round pick or a protected first rounder. But the thing is, even if you could get more and you want to add to his value, you got to play him. And therefore, you're going to limit the exposure and or the touches that you give Okafor and, and Norlison Well. I really see the future of the 76ers being uh, Noel and Okafor at a 4-5 scenario. And Embiid is just going to get lost in the mix, which I don't understand their, their process. You, you, it's flabbergasting to me that you got Emmanuel Moutier on the board and Justice Winslow on the board and uh, – uh, who did the Pistons? Stanley Johnson on the board, and you don't take a yeah. guy like that. Yeah, get or even the talent for the, to get even, your bigs the ball. Even the Spaniard, even the Spanish or the the Croatian, his own year. Somebody else, don't take another center. <laughs> don't take another. I told you they're the Detroit Lions of the nineties, man. When they did that three years back to back, number three, one pick yeah, to get wide, wide receivers. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I, it's flabbergasting. Hickey needs to be fired. They haven't been good since AI left, and and. When you look at a franchise like Miami, they can lose a player like LeBron James and be right back in the thick of things two years later. It's taken Philly 10 years to recover from losing AI. Why is that? That's not just your GM. That's, that's from the ownership on down. Ever since when AI left, Pat Croce left. When Pat Croce left, that's when Philly went to the bottom. And Philly will never do good until they, they do until ownership steps up and starts holding their GMs accountable and their director of basketball operations. Because what's going on right now with Hinky and these three centers uh, three years in a row with the top three picks three years in a row, they're just they're, they're fogging it up, and I don't like it, not one bit. My wife's from Philly, and she, she, she's flabbergasted. Yeah, I'm not understanding it. I'm not understanding it myself, man. I, I don't get it. So, <clears throat> Becky Hammond, do you think she ever gets a coaching job? Absolutely. I'll give her one right now. I'll give her a Philly job. <laughs> Let her try, try her luck in Philly, see what that. she can do. She can, if she turns the team around, it'll be, uh, you know, uh, every every team in the league will be going to hire a woman coach. And, you know, 
I agree with Popovich. You know, I make light of it saying the woman coach, but at the end of the day, she's a coach. And we shouldn't look at these things as male, woman, black, white. If you're a coach, you're a good coach, do the job. You know, she was a ball player. You know, she she was better than most males. She had a, a hell of a collegiate career, hell of a pro career, and and she got results. Look what she did in, in this year's summer league. It, it's unprecedented. Why not give her a shot? If I'm a franchise that needs some publicity, needs that 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 push to get over the top, and you want to try something new, I'm all for it. I'm absolutely all okay. for it. So last thing, I want you to take about two or three minutes. You know, people get, and I, I talked about this with D. Wills, casual fans shouldn't watch Summer League. Summer League is for us. It's for me and you and the diehard junkies because we'll watch Summer League and we know what we're looking for, right? The casual fan Absolutely. will see a box score from Summer League and be like, oh, you know, um, you know, so-and-so lit it up. He's going to be a beast next year. Not not, not, not necessarily, all right? <laughs> not necessarily. That's not what somebody Like Frank Kaminsky. What did you see? <laughs> right, right, right. You call out D. Will, you know, the Wisconsin guy, like Frank Kaminsky. Hey. That's right. So what, is, what are your thoughts on – what did you take from this year's summer league watching it? Because I know you watched a lot of games. Oh, I watched it all. I watched it all. And I, I was impressed with, one, Becky Hammond, which we just talked about. I really liked uh, that that first game between uh, the Timberwolves and the Lakers. I wanted to see what D'Angelo Russell really had. Uh, uh, being the number two overall pick, I, I didn't love that for the Lakers. Uh, and while he turned the ball over, I liked his aggressiveness. I like how he went at you know uh, the players from Minnesota. And I, I don't look for stats in summer league. I look for you know the ability to play the position. How do you defend? How do you hustle? How do you get guys involved from a point guard? And uh, I looked. At, I watched a lot of Carl Anthony Towns as well. Um, a lot of Jaleel Okafor. Uh, these rookies, man. This is this is the best rookie class since 2003, and that's really what I focused on was who's going to make an impact. And what I noticed is that Towns is the truth. He can stretch the four as a five or a four. He can play post-up. He can play basket-to-basket. He's got great footwork. He can pretty much do it all. I I, I think Okafor still needs some work on defense. Um, I liked uh, – you know what I really liked was Zach Levine from, from Minnesota. I think Kevin Martin uh, out there in Minnesota needs to be looking over his shoulder. He's either going to get traded or moved to the second unit by the All-Star break of next year. You heard it here first. Um, um, I really like what Minnesota's got going on right now from a from a young core perspective, and uh, you know this summer league to me has been intriguing beyond a doubt. Uh, it, it's been the best summer league I've seen in the past again since '03, since '03 when LeBron and those and Carmelo and those boys were playing. Everything about it was was intriguing. It was actually some good ball. I even like watching the, my man Moutier. Like, like, there's some talented players in this draft, and that's what it really, really what I look for. Obviously, in summer league, the the, the second year guys dominate because uh, they've got a little more experience under their belt. But um, I really like to see what, what these rookies bring to the table, and and it just opens your eyes to see what we have to look forward to this coming fall. I'm telling you, as I said to start the show, I'm charged up. Excellent, excellent. The one name I'll give you that uh, I, I saw a spark from in Summer League that I think is going to carry over 
Aaron Gordon, Orlando Magic. I think he is going to – and, again, I'm like you. When I watch Summer League, I don't care what numbers you put up. I'm worried about the how. How are you playing? How are you defending? How are you getting those numbers? And I saw him doing some things that he couldn't do um, last year. I saw him I – I saw evidence of work. I saw evidence of improvement. And that's when you've got yep. those second-year guys, that's all you're looking for is evidence that you spent some time in the gym this summer working on some things that you were deficient at, and you added something to your game that you're now trying to test out in a live setting. And I saw that with him. I think Orlando has something in that kid. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it translates once the big boys show up. Um, but he showed me that there's something there other than what he was kind of pegged as um, as far as when he came out. So I love everything you said, man. I think you're right on. I love Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns. I think you're right on. He has the potential to be a future Hall of Famer. If you're a big in today's NBA and you're a back-to-the-basket big, the one thing that you have to be able to do, and we have a generation of bigs we haven't trained to do this, but I think the next generation of bigs is going to be able to do this, and you see it with guys like Okafor, and you see it with guys like Towns. you got to be able to pass, right? Basketball is going yep. to pick and roll, and all pick and roll is is a perimeter double team. Right, you make two guys guard one guy, and you pass out of it, or you attack it, depending upon how they guard it. That's just the post up on the perimeter, right? So now you throw it into the post, just like old school ball. You throw it into the post, but the thing that has happened is, is we've forgotten how to, our, our bigs don't know how to pass, and so you double team the big, and now they don't know what to do, or they don't have the offensive game where you actually have to double team. Towns and Okafor, you got to double team them boys, and they both can pass out of it. So they they're gonna they're gonna change they're gonna change the way uh, posts are, are used. In the next five to six years, you're going to see it. So we're going to take a quick, quick one-minute break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to start talking NFL. We're going to hit you off with the Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. We just gave you about 40 minutes straight of just raw, uncut, Justin Page, RSG style. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're going to, take, we're going to let it breathe for a second, and then we're going to come back real quick and get into some NFL training camp talk. Justin freestyle for a minute um, in the isolation. Um, 
so I want to pull you in, D. Wills. Uh, first off, Russell Westbrook. I'm not not Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. My basketball mind is going. I got to shift gears. Uh, Russell <laughs> Wilson. Russell Wilson is looking for a new contract from the Seattle Seahawks, coming off a Super Bowl loss. Um, Russell has had a real interesting summer. Um, I've been a fan of Russell Wilson's, and I'm starting to cool on Russ a little bit. Um, I, he's, he's he's saying some things and he's doing some things that I'm just not necessarily on board with, and I, I think he's taking some things a little too far, in my opinion. I'm going to let you guys talk before I go into my little spiel on Russ. Um, D. Wills, the main question I want to pose to you is, you know, is Russell Wilson in a, a Class A quarterback, right? I don't want to use the term elite, but because even within that, because it's an elite position anyway, there's only 32 guys who can do it. And of those 32 guys, only 15 are halfway decent at it. And of those 15, only about eight are any good, right? So, and of those eight, there are about four or five who are just who are above and separate from the other from the others, right? So that class is what I'm talking about because that's the kind of money Russ wants. If you're the GM, president of football operations for the Seattle Seahawks, are you paying Russ, Russell Wilson, uh, Brady, Rogers, Manning, Breeze money? Um. I'm I'm paying him now. Let me start with this. You, you, now, I started I started with you know when he was in the draft, I felt like people were not ranking him correctly, and a lot of it had to do with height. If you think about it. In his senior season at Wisconsin, he, he had thirty thirty three touchdowns and four interceptions. He had most of the history in the Big Ten. He had he had a, he had an FBS record passing efficiency of 191. So this guy was, you know, when I watched him in, 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 in our parents, we watched him, you and I had a chance to really watch him in college. And he was born at NC State. This great place. So when he came back in, he had all the passing skills. The issue was height. So then he comes in the staff, already, who had just gone, what, 79, and there are already whispers about whether or not it was going to work for our favorite coach. Uh, in Seattle, and then he comes in and beats um, NFC championship, conference championship, and Super Bowl, winning Super Bowl, is Super Bowl. And with that, and so now I'll probably say a pretty kind of mediocre passing game, other than a, you know, a pretty decent running back. So they have a lot of weapons. They got Curtis Harvard, he was hurt. So People start with this. Whenever I hear people talk about it, they talk about him like he came in with sub-star skills. Believe. Only difference between him and Locke was nobody tells you he he was doing. He was playing a pro style game. So, so do you do it going forward? I think what makes this very difficult is Seattle has benefited from the fact that they had to pay. They've been able to steal up their, their, their guys that need to on defense. From a football operations standpoint, they've done a brilliant job, but now it's coming to pay. Now, I've been kind of surprised that the way Russ has been talking, you know, I've been talking about baseball stuff, some other things. Uh, it seems like a similar character uh, for him. 
But but at the end of the day, when you get on the field, you know that this kid is going to make plays. And he's going to help win. He wins as many games in different ways. You know, as, as Herm said, we play to win a game. He wins games. And he's won games for them. Talk about defense, but he's won some games for them. And he's only going to get better. So I, I say you you pay a payoff of a $21 million, um, you know, you, you want to pay him a little bit more. But I, I think that's not the point. Okay. Okay. D. Willis, can you call back here? Your connection is uh your connection is off a little bit. Um you're coming in and out a little bit. Um, Justin. D. Wills spoke to some points around Russell Wilson about his value coming into the draft, how his height affected where he was picked, and how that allowed the Seahawks because they got him in the third round, he's on a third round pay scale, right? And so that allowed right. the Seahawks to build their team around him. How would that impact your decision whether or not you pay Russell Wilson, um, Class A. Again, I'm talking Manning, Breeze, Brady, Rogers, money. My original thought process was, is he top five in anything? Is he a top five passer? Is he a top five deep ball thrower? Is he is he is he top five in commanding? What is he the best at? You know, so I figured, no, he's not worth that money. But when you take a step back and you look like at what he's done for the franchise and at what cost, he almost gets that, that D-Wade $20 million one-year deal, that Kobe two-year $50 million deal. You almost got to pay him for what he did in his past, right? And you also have to think about it like this. Is there another guy out there better? Could I plug somebody in here that's better that's going to guarantee me two back-to-back Super Bowls? one winning, one losing at the very last second, no fault of his own. So when you take back – and you also got to look at, okay, what's the market? Ryan Tannehill is now a top ten uh, uh, quarterback from a from a contract perspective. So if you're Seattle, you take a step back. While you don't want to pay him the money, you realize you're kind of handcuffed here, and you got to give the guy his money, pay him for what he's done in the past, and 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 get a guy a contract. Give him give him you know the highest guaranteed money, but make his his the additional funds based on incentives to continue his his productivity moving forward. That's how I look at it. Okay, and this is where maybe I'm the contrarian of the bunch um, because I think I, I I agree with you. I think the market is going to dictate he should get that level of money, right? That's what the market is saying. Because, again, like you said, you pointed out very astutely, um, Tannehill is – guys like Tannehill and Andy Dalton and Joe Flacco have gotten big, big deals and big, big money. Jay Cutler. And Rush should – Jay Cutler. And Rush should get that kind of a m- money as well. Here's a question I pose to you and D. Wills, right? I'm going to say the team, you tell me which unit is better. Which unit is more t- tied into the identity of the team, right? Green Bay Packers, offense or defense? Offense. Denver Broncos, offense or defense? Offense. Defense. The Broncos? Come on, D. Wills. You try. You stretch it. Yeah. <laughs> the you know what I the said? Denver? <laughs> <laughs> defense has lifted them up. Peyton, 
Peyton's arm streak is going down, man. Man, if Denver defense ain't been good for like three years. They ain't been good since T-Ball. Where, where was Denver before Peyton? <laughs> where was Denver before exactly. Peyton? Exactly. They ain't been good. They was 8-8 eight and, eight and praying for Tim T-Ball to get hey, him to the Peyton ball. Y'all overranking Peyton. I'm going to let y'all go. D-Wills. D-Wills. Come on now. Offense is D-Wills. This is D-Wills. This is D-Wills. We all have these spots, and we're going to have to settle this. Like I said, we're going to have to settle these one day, D-Wills. You 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 don't like Peyton, and we know this. <laughs> D. Wills does not like Peyton Manning, and he does, he is not a fan of Peyton Manning. So okay, I, I all right, defense for the Broncos because D. Wills don't like Peyton Manning. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me fight. let me intervene. What did what did Denver's defense do against Seattle in the Super Bowl? Not this last year because they didn't make it, but the year previous. But up at the, up until that point, that defense was dominant, and they did it without one of their top players rushing. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> but the defense was the defense was solid, D. Wills. But the offense was the story. That was the thing. It was the best offense ever going against Seattle's defense, which yeah, was really, really good. Know, that was the story going into the Super Bowl. Beard? It was not. The, you know the defense was not the identity of that team, man. And, and Come on they're, now. They're, you can't even. And, they were, and they're playing in the conference. <laughs> right. they, when they play the Raiders going. twice, the Raiders twice, <laughs> the Kansas City coming back. <laughs> <laughs> The sacred heart. Of the defense Cincinnati. went against those teams too. It's not like those teams are running a running shit. No. And that's why when they went in and played, it's not like the Raiders are setting the world on fire, putting up fifty and giving up fifty. They ain't scoring nothing. They ain't giving up nothing. Yeah. They stuck both ways. All, all right, right, all right. I'll give right. you the offense. New England. Very New limited. England. Identity. Offense. offense. Defense. Offense. New Orleans Saints. Identity. Offense. Defense. Offense. Right. Seattle. Identity. Offense, defense. Defense. Seattle's defense. D-Wills. D-Wills. Uh, defense. Defense. But I, what I would say is that's a – Okay, okay, okay. Let me finish. Let me finish the exercise. Let me finish the exercise, right? So, when we're talking about Russell Wilson and him getting paid, yes, he's won. And I think he needs to be rewarded for what he has done. But in the same sense, if you're the, if you're the president of operations and you're thinking about how can we continue to do what we're doing, You've been able to do that because you got him in the third round, and you've been able to load up on your defense. The question I have with Russell Wilson is, can he carry a team where the offense is the identity? That's the I question think he can. I think Russell has the answer. And, and I don't know if he can or not. I'm just saying that's the question. Those other guys, I know they can do that, right? What's his flaw? Like, tell me, what's his flaw? Like, when I look at Kaepernick and everything else, what's his flaw? His flaw is not having good receivers. But he can throw. He makes plays. His but, but, but has Brady had good like, receivers? I look at Stans, I Stans Randy it. Moss. Take away Randy Moss. Who is Brady throwing it to on the outside? On the outside, who is Brady had? Yeah, but they were throwing for each other's game. They were running the football. It wasn't because he didn't want to throw and they couldn't throw. It was because the coach decided he's going to run the ball. It ain't because he can't throw. But see like, now, now this is where this is where I get this is where I get into one of my gripes about something that Russell said this summer, right? So. Right, they wanted to run the ball, except on that goal line, except on the goal line with the game on the line. They didn't run the ball, and, and, they, were and they put the ball in Russ's hands. They put the ball in Russ's hands, and what did Russ do? He threw a pick. Yeah, but that was he threw a pick. He was, who was he throwing to? But let me you finish. Let me finish. Because then you know who Russ blamed that on? Who? Russ blamed it on God. <laughs> he said God talked to him in that moment. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, Russell, you doing too much, bro. You do the pick. You do that. Don't be he also blame. He also blame God on why he by uh, Sierra ain't gonna give him none. Exactly. So that's another thing. That's another thing. I'm kind of like, yo, man, you a grown man. You a grown man, bro. Keep your bedroom in the bedroom. Right. I don't need to hear about your bedroom activity. I don't even care, dog. I don't even care. I don't feel no type of way about what you do in the bedroom. That's you. Alright, you don't yeah. need to put it out there at all. And then he went and blamed God about the pick. And I was like, okay, Russ, okay, that's two strikes. You got one more with me, dog. You got one more. God didn't throw that pick. You threw the pick. Alright, don't yeah. go blame God. It's your that. So that's, that's it. So they passed, right? They put the ball in his hand. And Russ has made plays, and Russ makes plays. I think this year, if I'm Seattle, I, I got you, Jimmy Graham. Let me see what you can do. Because they did have Percy Harvin. And as as Fugazi as yeah. Percy can be um, with his health and his headaches and his whole whole overall package, you know what I mean, he will be he will be one of the corner – he will be a corner kid athlete, right? He'd be on the Sacramento Kings he's in the NBA. Percy Harden would be. Tons of talent, great production, but it just wasn't clicking in Seattle for whatever reason. Um I don't know. Can Russell do that? I think that's the question that Russell Wilson has to answer. I'm not necessarily saying he can't answer that. Do I think he needs to get his money? Yeah, he needs to get his money because he put in work. Um, but that's the thing that when he's talking about he wants Aaron Rodgers' money, when you talk about Aaron Rodgers' team, the identity of that team is on his side of the ball. And I think you can't say that about Seattle. The identity of that team is not on that side of the ball. But when you watch him it's play, when he played against Aaron, but I would say this: when he played against Aaron Rodgers, when he plays them, when the plays that he made plays against them, not just the defense, it was kind of the defense. He was but but, but D Wills now D Wills. And he's young. in Packer country. We live in Packer country, right? Yeah. For the next month on sports radio, they broke down all of the mistakes that the Packers made that made that comeback happen. Russ made plays, but the Packers facilitated a lot of that. But but if you look at him over his time against them, in games against them, he's made plays. He's matched up to them with 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 not as much talent. This guy is not because he can't play. It's it's that he had a coach who decided he gonna play his style. I'm not mad at the style they're playing, but that you I, I tell the difference between a coach who's decided on a style versus that not because he's protecting them because this is a style that he want to win with. Versus a coach who I would say in San Francisco was more because they're trying to protect Kaepernick. I don't think they were doing that for Russ. I think it was just a style they wanted to play. That's the difference. But I think you can put him in another system if you want to open it up. He can throw 30 times a game. He's already done it. Okay. Okay. Well, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Right? We'll see they did kind of where Russell is. Because I think, they did I think $21 million. Did he, turn down? he turned down $21 million, didn't he? I think so. And I think Pete so Carroll put him on do. front street on that final play. Yeah. Because you and I all know they should have ran the ball. But I think Pete Carroll was like, listen, you want Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' money, you want Brady yeah. money, go ahead and yeah. beat him. And then Russell threw the pick. If Russell completes that pass, Russell could write a check to himself right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. He could code write a check right. to himself. They would just be like, man, just put in a number and we'll pay you. You're good. You know, Um uh, Justin, we're coming up on the close of our our ninety minute window. Do you have an extra ten minutes to kick it with us? Absolutely, I got an extra cool, thirty. I want to hear what you got to say about Brady. 
we're going to get into this Tom Brady situation. So it came down today, you know, deflate gate, the AFC championship game, it's been well documented uh, that. Are the, we doing our the, first after the, hours? We can call it, yeah. After, we we can get it in. We're we going to get it in after hours. We're just going to run this out, man. Cause I got, we got Justin in the house. We go late, late. Yeah. I love having him on the show. After hours. Yeah. We got, we got, I feel we like got we always do the after hours. <laughs> hey, right, right. You got the sixth guy in the house. You got Lou Will in the game. You got to give him the ball. You got to let him do his oh, thing. Oh, yeah. So, love the Lou Will signing by the Lakers, by the way. Yes, yes. I think that will give them some nice diversity in the backcourt. You're right. You're I'm right. Lou Will at, at, at the Atlanta's uh, Pro-Am this weekend. Don't press in, Justin. Now you know. Tell me what's in the after hours. Don't press in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Keep it in the pocket, Jeff. Keep it in the pocket. <laughs> we got right out of last time. Like you said, nothing good happens after 2 o'clock. Oh, uh, man, we having too much fun. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSP, Renegade Radio. We in the house brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions uh, on the rocks of Rockford, Illinois, Frederick Accounting, and XL Academics. All guests and hosts appear via the Frederick Accounting Gateway. Frederick Accounting is the official accountant of RSG and the Renegades. Make sure you hit them up to do, get your accounting needs met and tell them the Renegades sent you. Tom Brady, the Flake Gate, AFC Championship. We're going all the way back to January, fellas. Uh, some, some footballs were under. Inflated. I always have to kind of watch myself. You know, I've been teaching a summer school class at middle school, uh, a summer school movement science class, right? It's basically gym, right? We call it movement science. It's basically a gym class I'm teaching, right? I'm not a certified teacher, so this is something that I can do. And every time we're playing with the uh, equipment, I have to make sure, because I'm dealing with 12, 11, 13. When I say balls, I got to say basketballs or footballs. <laughs> I just say, hey, everybody pick up the ball. I can't do that <laughs> in middle school because I'm going to get a bunch of chuckles and a bunch of laughs, and they're going to repeat it, and then the joke's going to be on me. And so I can't have all of that. So they had some footballs that were underinflated, and there was a whole issue and investigation, and a report came out, and it came out that Tom Brady knew about or orchestrated the uh, deflation of these footballs. And we've been going around and around in this kind of uh, circle, cyclical kind of conversation around the penalty. A penalty came down that Tom Brady was going to receive a four-game suspension. Uh, he appealed it. They had a conversation earlier this week with he and Goodell. They offered this brother a two-game. They offered to reduce the four games to two games, which just – I don't know why they don't just start there in the NFL. I don't understand why they're not just starting it because everybody's suspension gets reduced. <laughs> Like, who have they not mentioned? Just give them a two-gamer to begin with, and let's just keep it moving. Like, save yourself the appeals process, unless somebody in the appeals office just needs work, right? Um, So they were going to reduce it. He declined. He turned down the two-game suspension, so they upheld the four-game suspension and threw dirt on him (laughs) as he walked out the door talking about they upheld it because – he destroyed the cell phone that they asked for when they did the investigation uh, known as the Wells Report back at the beginning of the year. He did. He wasn't forthcoming with some text messages that they wanted to get off the phone, and he had the phone destroyed. Um, so they threw the book at him. 
this he so now Brady's got four games. Basically, he's missing the first four games. His only recourse at this point is to take it to trial. There's a song, hip hop song, out in the early 2000s. Take that stuff to trial. <laughs> so he might have to take this one to trial uh, if he's gonna get anything off, get off on anything. Uh, Justin, you said you had an interesting opinion on this whole situation, and I've been waiting all show to hear it. What you got, bro? Let me ask y'all brothers this. What was the score of that game against Indianapolis last year in the playoffs? It was a lot to a little. I don't remember the exact score, but I do remember it was a blowout. Do, do you think it mattered if, if, if it was a Nerf football or if it was a hard <laughs> rock that Tom Brady was throwing? Would, was, were, were, the, were the New England Patriots going to beat the Indianapolis Colts? Mm, yes. They were I, going to ideally, these are rhetorical questions, and I'm saying that to say this. The NFL has it out for Brady, has it out for Belichick, has it out for the Patriots for their Spurs-like greatness throughout the past two decades or so. And I think it's unfair. I think Brady's the, the, the best quarterback ever, including Joe Montana. And I think that they're, they're wrongfully pointing this man in this direction by giving him a four-game suspension. I don't think that the even if he did even even if he is guilty of the crime which they've showed no proof of whatsoever, I don't believe he deserves four games. If anything, get a man a fine and, and keep him abreast of the rules moving forward. But okay. it's a joke to me that the NFL can get away with this and the fact that Roger Goodell is the one who handed down the suspension and has the nerve to be the one to listen to the appeal. That's like like when your dad gives you a whooping and you go up to dad like, Dad, I didn't do it. And you think dad's going to be more lenient on you next time. Like, it's not fair. Roger Goodell has too much control. I think based on the evidence, Brady could win in court, and I think he should appeal it so he could play until they do decide what's going to take place. But it didn't affect the ball game. Let, let's focus. Like, Greg Hardy's beating up women. And he got four games. Are you kidding me right now? Deflated footballs? And you don't even have proof that the guy did it? And you're giving him the same suspension of a guy who beats up on women? I think it's an atrocity. I think it's an indictment on the NFL. I think it's an indictment on on, on Roger Goodell. And I think they need to let that man play. And I think that, that, you know, everybody hates greatness. I get it. But let that man live. Until you find mm. hard proof, who knows? Brady may he been, may have been creeping out on Giselle. Who he wanted to destroy his phone so he don't get caught on that. <laughs> who knows why he wanted to 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 uh, uh, damage his phone? There could be right, so many right. reasons why. I just don't believe that because he destroyed his phone, they have enough evidence to get this man four games. And that, and that's that's that, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. What my man Young Chris say, I dropped a lot of Philly Philly love for my man Meek Mill early in the show. I say Young take Chris, no yeah. deal, man, I run with a charge. <laughs> he wanted to prove he wanted to prove his innocence and and while two games is better than four, he wanted to tell the world, I'm not guilty, I'm not taking a plea. What's I wrong with that? that? And I and I dig that, Justin. And I dig everything you said. I think the league has mishandled this whole situation to uh uh I think all parties involved have mishandled this. I think all parties involved have. This is like 
This is like a fight, an argument between two people that escalates into a fist fight, right? Y'all arguing about, you know, whether or not Ben Wallace had a post game or something ridiculous like that, and it, it escalates to a <laughs> fist fight. And now y'all both, it's like you and your, you know, you, you got a brother, right? We all got siblings. It's like you and your sibling get into a debate about something, and it could be, it's, it's about it's the most benign thing ever. You're just having a conversation, and then somebody push a button, and that 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 conversation gets escalated to a point where now y'all rolling on the floor in your mama's living room, knocking over furniture, ripping up each other's clothes, trying to beat each other beat each other's brains out, and it didn't even have to come to that. <laughs> you know, it didn't even have to come to that. So both parties are just doing too much, and for me. You laid out kind of why the NFL, and I agree with you 100%. The NFL kind of took this too far a little bit, and I think there is a bit of a, um, because it is the Patriots, they're trying to take a hard stance on it. Um, but in the same sense, I, I look at Tom Brady, and I'm like, I ain't never known nobody to uh, destroy evidence that would have vindicated you, right? If you had evidence, right, nobody does that. Nobody's ever, Nobody in the history of mankind has ever destroyed evidence on purpose that would have vindicated them. So if he had proof that he didn't do it, why would you destroy it? You feel me? With the phone, right? There may have been some other stuff on there, but they wasn't asking for all of that by the reports. Now, there been some, there's been some, some double talk around what's, what's been, what was re- requested. But in the end, if I got proof that I ain't do it, oh, that proof is going to be everywhere. <laughs> it's not, and I, I'm going to put that proof out on my own. You know what I'm saying, and so I wouldn't. I don't. Again, I don't think there's ever been a defendant who's destroyed proof that would have uh, vindicated them. But that's the one thing on Brady's part. In addition, if Brady actually did inflate the balls, he should have just. Even if he didn't inflate the balls, I would have said I inflated them. It's a twenty-five thousand dollars fine, and that's in the CBA. <laughs> you know, now they're getting them. Now they're getting them because he didn't cooperate. I, I was, yeah, I did it. What? It's twenty-five grand. <laughs> I got that now. I would have I would have put a stack on the table and walked off at the press conference. <laughs> so you got your Super Bowl, right? <laughs> exactly. Like y'all not gonna take the the NFL is not gonna take the game away. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not gonna take a championship away from nobody. You know what I'm saying? They wasn't gonna do that. And your team still got hit with draft picks and and a, for a mill and draft picks. So what are you what are you hanging on for now, man? Like this would be over if he would if he would cop to it. That's where Kraft. And Belichick need to pull him aside and said, "Dog, you finna carry this water." And he should have been in there like WeeBay. <laughs> he should have been at that press conference like WeeBay. What else y'all want to get me on? You know what I'm saying? I'm finna take this. What else y'all finna get me on? You know what I'm saying? Like, go ahead, give me that charge. I'll take that one too. I'll take that body. You know what I'm saying? It's a twenty-five grand fine. You know what I'm saying? Yup, we deflated balls and and what? Press conference over. Throw my fine. Give me the fine. Here the. Here's my credit card. Swipe it. Whatever you got to do. We good. We squared up. All right. It's over with. Instead, we have this long, dragged out process. Now he's got to go to court. You know, stuff is coming out about him destroying his phone. It just looks bad for everybody involved. And it just didn't have to go that way. It didn't have to go down like that at all. And that's my opinion of the whole situation. Like, this is just dumb. (laughs) Like, I feel like this is just dumb. Like, why are we going here over some... And you're right, when guys are getting in trouble for way worse things, right, things that are just awful, awful stomach-turning things, and, you know, he's getting four games because he over under-inflated some footballs, and that's less of a penalty. Didn't did Ray Rice get two games were, originally? Right. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and guys are getting sentences reduced for all types of stuff. And it's just like, come on, man. This just looks. This makes everybody involved look silly. It makes the league look silly. It makes Goodell look silly. It makes Brady look silly. At least Kraft was like, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> you know, Kraft came hard in the beginning. And he was like, you know what? Whatever, man. It is what it is. I'm still rich. <laughs> Here's a million. Keep the draft pick. We was we was gonna trade him anyway. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Belichick was going to move that pick in that first rounder anyway. It's all good. We'll keep it rolling. We're still going to keep winning. You know what I mean? That was a craft, you know, that's kind of the, the role he took. And Belichick was like, you know, my name is Bennett and I ain't in it. <laughs> and he kind of sticks <laughs> back into the shadows. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's that's how I view this. D. Wills, what's your take on this whole situation, man? Well, I mean, we call Goodell and habitual line stuffers, but the Patriots are getting this because they are a team that's a habitual line stuffers. And you know I love Brady, but play the line. They got the spy gate. They got the. They always had a group that's torn the line. And so, you know, you hear around the head. All Brady had to say was like, "Hey, I like my my balls under deflated. My, my football's under deflated." And exactly, you got to be careful with that. All, 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 all I wanted to do. Was do that, you know, they got a little bit too close to the line. They're overzealous. You know, my fault. You know, I, you know, my my goal is to get as close to the line as I can. And you know, they may have taken a little bit more out of it. I just like them softer, just like Roger said he likes them hot. And it would have been a, it, you know, because he had, he pushes the air up. So it, it's if he would have just said that, then you know, it would have just been washed under. The, the other problem with this, y'all hit on the fine, is that. For a lot of things like this, you're right. It's a twenty-five thousand dollars fine, whatever. And so, you know, this, and that's this, in the CBA. That's in the CBA. It's in the CBA. And so, I think part of the problem with Brady was, and this where he, he kind of messed up. He got, you know, he he, he, he let some log speak for him. He got through Hollywood with it. You know, I'm gonna get the lawyers, the attorney. I'm almost like, you know, and and Belichick, like you said, got to, you know, switch back. And people think Belichick was the one that orchestrated it, and that's what people react to. It's like they're always trying to get away with something. I think other owners are doing this, are pushing on this, because they feel like the Patriots are always walking the line. They they less like the Spurs. Nobody thinks that Popovich is walking the line. Popovich just coaches better than everybody else. I think with Belichick, they always think he got another angle. He like Belichick is like, uh, you know, uh, 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 Carl Rove. You know, he's that cat that just always like walking toward the. He's stepping over the line, and I think that's part of what the reaction they get to. And, and, and Brady's been able to kind of skate out of it because he kind of cool hand Luke. You know, on this one, he caught in the middle when all he had to do was, like you said, pivot, get out of the way, and keep it moving. You know, but he got into this little standoff. Ego got going. You know, he started thinking about being a six round draft pick. They picking on me, and rather than taking a simple play, he, he took it into deep water. And Goodell was like, you know, he coming at him like Drago. If he die, he die. That's kind of like you do it, you know. If you if you want to come at me, I'm done. I've been I've been hit. I'm like fifty. Y'all don't come at me many times. I'm coming right back at you. And that's kind of how he's feeling right now. I think he is throwing caution to the wind right now. He said, you know, what else can go bad for me? And I, I'm a, I'm gonna draw a line in the sand, even on you, man. And I think he took it personal when Kraft came at him. When when he probably had evidence that Brady knew more, and then Kraft was gonna come out here and bust him out. So I, I think Dale just like forget it. I'm gonna go down, going down my way. No, you got four games. And I think he overdid it. He should have gone with one game, 
and $25,000 fine. If you just started with that, I think it would have been fine. Yeah, they, I, again, overall for me, this is just this is just too much about nothing, man. It's just too much about something that I don't really. As, as like, Justin laid like out, Justin said, Justin said, all the evidence says when he scored the most points, the ball was right. So all the, they, right. they scored all the points in the second half after they got it back to regulation. So he really didn't have any advantage until they actually put the ball back to where it was. So I mean, it is much still about nothing. Right, and you know they, they they it didn't have an impact on the game. It it, it they don't have any proof. They, they he might have possibly knew about it. Which come on now, might have possibly knew about it. Really, y'all wrote that in the report, <laughs> in a real document. Y'all wrote that. <laughs> he might have possibly knew about it. Come on, man. <laughs> and then you know again, like I said, Brady he could have handled his way different. Just cop to it, dog, and, and let it roll. Like what, what they gonna do? Like what you gonna do? Like you gotta know. You gotta know the consequences sometimes, man. You got like you know what? What, what? This is it. Cool. You know what I mean? But and game that's, changer. That's all you game do? changer. Game changer. If you know you didn't do it and you know you're not guilty, you copping to it. Think about if that. If I now. know I'm not <laughs> guilty, I'm giving them my cell phone. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm not going to destroy the evidence that would exonerate me, though. That's the other piece of What if he's though. got something else in there that could exonerate him they personally? Ask with all that. They would ask asking for the text between him and the ball boys. I gave him the text between Man, him and the Man, who ball knows boys. what come out. Tiger thought they wasn't asking for nothing but what happened <laughs> with the with the Man. fire incident. Look what came out. <laughs> Man, they, they, Brady they didn't want his to, personal business to, out there. I would have been, I would have been real. I would have been real, real. Like y'all want text pertaining to the footballs? This is what y'all get. Because he ain't got to give them nothing, right? He didn't have to give them anything. I would have gave them what they asked for. Y'all want text specific to the football? Then here are the texts I got specific to football. If it's two, then it's two. That's all you get. You ain't getting my whole phone. But if I got proof, if I got proof, I'm giving you the proof. I'm at least give you the proof. You know what I'm saying? I'm at least give you the proof. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, like, it's, it's, it's like, but it's like asking great major league pitchers to let us check the balls you pitch with after. You know, it's, it's this is my thing about gamesmanship versus breaking the rules. To me, this is more like gamesmanship, but it turned into something else. You know, it's what we see in major league baseball time with pitching and everything else. Some of that stuff is gamesmanship versus are you breaking the rules? You know, and it's sleight of hand type stuff. And so, you know, I, I just think this thing has you, – you're right, you could have given it up, but I think it got more into the ego thing. I think after Kraft came Absolutely. out – Absolutely, I agree. Brady was like, I'm going that's to where it becomes the two – yeah. that's where it becomes the two siblings fighting in, in their mama living room. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's where it ultimately – it was something that could have been handled by both parties very differently. Yeah. Nobody really has a reason to be upset. Nobody really has a reason to taking it to where they took it to, and now y'all rolling on the room fighting, and y'all look like idiots. <laughs> you both look you like know, idiots because yeah, remember, you know what I'm saying. Y'all messing up your mama's carpet. Yeah, Kraft got off the plane, swagging out. <laughs> he got off talking about he want apology. He came off straight firing, and you know that's a, that's Brady's boy. He wants to get it. No, we present, and then he got caught up in the mix, and then he's too late. Roger Dodger was like, uh uh-uh. uh uh-uh. And no, that's the other here. piece. No. That's the other piece. You got people that was riding for you early that kind of ain't saying nothing no more. 
that's also a piece that don't look so hot. You know, the street code, like, wait, you was riding, now you ain't riding. Why you switch? <laughs> oh, you think I'm guilty? Because, <laughs> again, Kraft was kind of hard. Kraft kind of came out guns blazing. At first, he was like, listen, Tom didn't do it. Tom didn't do it. And now he's just like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take this, um, take this meal, and y'all can have them picks, and, you know, I don't, I don't even know no Tom. <laughs> I, but again, like I said, I agree with everything Justin laid out as far as the league and how they mishandled this. And I think there is some saltiness amongst the other owners. There is some of that jealousy of the success that the Patriots have. And yes, the Patriots do walk the line, but I don't think they're the only team doing this. I think they're the team that people go after because they win and people don't like that they keep winning and you can't get rid of them and they're just always in it and they're always there. And that gets annoying. And you build these rivalries and people constantly trying to, you know, other people trying to break through and you won't let them. And it builds up animosity. It really does. It builds up, it builds up animosity amongst the other folks. And, you know, I think those are the, you know, those four owners that are reportedly putting pressure on uh, Goodell, them the time haters from the Chappelle kids. Back in, they just hating away. <laughs> you know, I could see them leaving Goodell emails and, and, and messages on his voicemail. Just, man, don't you let Grady off, man. If you let him off, you got to let everybody else off. And all this other stuff, just hating, just hatefulness. <laughs> he thinks he can do whatever you want. He got a model wife, Super Bowl rings, you know, all this other stuff. You know, just hating, just getting Goodell all pumped up, man. <laughs> you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. This is the After Hours session. Oh, man, we had a good time tonight. We're going to get ready to close this one out, fellas. Uh, Dustin Page is joining us tonight, our resident NBA expert. Dustin, man, I know I didn't prepare you for this, but you've been on fire tonight, and I want you to close us out. You get the last word. You got two minutes to kind of put a bow on this show. This has been this has been this has been your game, right? This has been the fifty-five. This has been your fifty-five point night. You've been on fire all night. We isolated you, let you do your thing, kind of showcased you. We're not trading you though. It's not that kind of showcase. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We keep you on the roster. Uh, I want you to wrap this thing up. You got two minutes. Anywhere you want to go with this, fire off. All right. Well, listeners and viewers, I appreciate it. RSG family, I appreciate y'all giving me the opportunity to even participate. Uh, And in the show, I couldn't find it any better way to end it with my dog of the week. I don't think we got to it. It was was a tough call this week. Uh, It was between Shady McCoy and Gilbert Arenas, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know. Unfortunately, due to this past week's incidents, Shady is now off my draft board because he became an official hat to the back guy. However, <laughs> I, I I love him. I love his approach to the all female party and getting a uh, uh, confidential consent form signed previously. <laughs> Wait, wait, well, wait. I think it's, when it's, it's, have you it's, ever it's, had it's, to have a permission slip to go to a party? <laughs> Do your mama have I think to it was it? genius on his behalf. <laughs> he has to get runner-up today because, as genius as it was, I can't condone that as a responsible member of society and a, and a, and a, and a husband and a, and, a, and a father. But uh, I give my my dog of the week to Gilbert Arenas, who 
who brought back the hibachi. He went to Orange County Fair this past week. I'm not sure if you guys are up on the story, but he left oh, yeah, all absolutely. the dolls in the, in the store, and everybody couldn't make a jump shot, said the rim was bent, the rim was smaller than normal, and hibachi went hibachi, and he made over uh, uh, 30-some-odd shots in a row, and he took home all the dolls for his friends and family. And Not to mention, he's still getting paid from the NBA. <laughs> Gilbert Reyes hey. ain't played the game in how long, and he's still getting a check. Right. That's how it be, so man. I got to get my dog of the week. Too. Exactly. So I got to get my dog of the week to Gilbert Arenas and, and my uh, 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 my love to the RSG fam. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to come back. And I'm still charged up. I can't wait for Meek Mill to come back. <laughs> All right. Great show, fellas. Uh, listeners out there, we'll catch you all next week uh, or in a couple weeks. Next podcast, same time, same place. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital. And we out of here. Peace. Peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.